Hello and welcome to the 29th episode of Dhandot. Sorry, <laughs> of Busy Nation Dhandot Takkorokro. This is what happens if you, I mean, if you do not record a podcast within weeks time. I always Absolutely. forget the name of the podcast. Ah, that's okay. Okay, this is Ritika and I have Abhishek with me. Hello, everyone. It's early in the morning here in India, and I'm having my tea and wondering what is wrong with Australia, with your country, Ritika, with all that is happening for Indians out there. Ah, yeah. I mean, there has been a few attacks in the past two to three months, and they have been continuous attacks on Indian students. But I feel it's it's the overreaction that I saw in India, especially the uh, the burning of effigies of uh, Kevin Rudd. I think it was too much of an overreaction, which will actually be counter-effective and even the Australians who are not racist or who do not do so, even they'll get angry, you know, because, I mean, my, uh, one of our cousins had come over and his roommates are Australians. So he said that, uh, you know, after uh, whatever the media in India is doing, after that, uh, even, I mean, the people who stay with me, they are very nice and since the time I've come, I'm here for three years and I've been staying with Australians. And they are now telling me that, are we so bad? Are we racist? Are we mixed so bad? So, <laughs> yeah, of course, I mean, the crimes have happened, but I feel that they are more of crimes as in done by people mainly because they wanted to feel rather than terming them as racist attacks. And I do agree that Indian students become very easy targets. So as far as the protest rally was concerned, it was okay. I mean, we have a right to protest and show our disapproval to the way things are going on. And I totally agree. If, you know, the guy who had to suffer, he comes on TV and says that people should not come to Australia because he, only he knows what he is going through, right? But then I think burning effigies and all, it's too much because so many foreigners are attacked in India and if... Every time you start burning effigies of Manmohan Singh and Sonia Gandhi at places, then it's yeah. weird. But you know, one thing why they are mad at Indians living in Australia is because when I asked you that what is wrong with your country, mm. you did not protest. It is as if Australia is your country now. <laughs> I, I was actually going to protest when I thought that it's an international fall, so let's not get into that. Right, right, that's right. <laughs> Well, yeah. and and then you know because I mean I don't know if it's true, but I think the people who burnt uh, refugees were from Shasena, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, if anybody who wanted to yeah, join in the party I, joined in. <laughs> yeah, but I I think it was Shasena and Bal Thakre had uh, had said that you know Australian players should not be allowed to stay in IPL and all that. Ritika, so, you are outside the jurisdiction I mean, of India. That's why you can talk about Bal Thakre that way. I still want to live in Mumbai. Please yeah. don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, he does that all the time. Doesn't mm. MNS and Hussain are the big uh, UPIs yeah. and Biharis out of Mumbai and, you know, the whole thing we can argue like for ages. But anyway, True. talking about Australia, well, uh, Australian government as part of the stimulus package just last month, they had given out some bonus payments in the hands of the Australian population. It was like a cash handout wherein they had given some $700, that is US dollars worth of money. $700 per person. It cost the government some $33 billion. Yeah, and most of the money I read was 
used to pay off credit card bills and uh, especially from mastercard <laughs> so it's like yeah there are some things money can't buy for everything else there's a stimulus package <laughs> that is the story in the yes, us exactly. and now in australia too yeah and in fact you know this this kind of uh, cash handouts they are also called as helicopter money huh. because it resembles person dropping money from the helicopter and people just dropping free money from the helicopter <laughs> that's right term that helicopter money yeah i can imagine that this is like food supplies being dropped over earthquake ridden place etc it is very similar the recessionary times yeah exactly and and that's why i mean uh, sometimes governments use this to bypass the banks in between because even if they drop rates banks do not lend to people so they feel that it is better that we directly give out money to the uh, people yeah. and in fact uh, australian i mean i just saw that last week australian uh, gdp uh, results were out for the last quarter technically australia is the only developed country in the world which has avoided a recession because you're saying that because you're there right now no i'm not i'm saying that because that's the truth and though though i don't feel so because i'm yet out of job i'm not getting a job here and if anybody is listening to us and is in australia and wants to offer a job to me and i mean all there absolutely contact us exactly so because uh, technically a recession is said to be a negative growth in gdp in the past two quarters right so even though the last to last quarter was negative the last quarter a gdp growth was 0.4% so they technically avoided the recession and it's supposedly the only developed country which is done that that's nice but the stimulus package that the government has handed out uh, they ended up lending mm-hmm. money to few million dead people because the database ha <laughs> yes i <laughs> I read about that yeah right so i mean i don't know whether it's foolish but they said that we didn't have enough time to save out the people who are already dead mm. so instead of delaying the stimulus package we said let it go we will account for the bad debts and so they actually ended up paying <laughs> some 0.2% uh, of uh, the package to dead people and a good percentage is 25 million dollars to people uh, who lived in australia once upon a time and now are expatriates exactly and it also happened that i mean they say that even of course it is gone to dead people but obviously it will be used by the relatives of right. the dead so anyway it will be used to stimulate the economy so it doesn't matter whom does it go to yeah that's true that's true. so uh, moving on from our uh, good australian economy news to the not so good news about general motors which is the second largest auto company in the world i believe after toyota that's right well uh, they have filed for bankruptcy finally i mean it was like coming 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 since past one year and now finally they have gone ahead and done that All right we haven't heard any good news from general motors in the past 20 years i think or 10 years at least till the time yeah. the new general motors the automotive companies everywhere in the world that have that are not doing good currently i mean general motors and chrysler they have their own reasons but even our tata motors in india i mean their results were declared decently and the profit had fallen 50% from the last year right and in fact the ceo has been retired voluntarily and uh, we have a mm. new ceo so yeah it's it's not as good but coming back to gm for a moment they they started off about 100 years ago with a tagline called a car for every purpose and purpose Mm. Now the, the car itself right. needs a purse now from Obama, and uh, <laughs> actually Obama <laughs> has said that he has sent GM into bankruptcy. 
saying enough is enough it's like a mom sending a kid to a boarding mm. school they go to the boarding school for a couple of years okay we'll be filing chapter 11 bankruptcy which basically says that we will not be liquidating all the assets we will have some management control you cut down the the employment the plants etc your excess capacity and mm. we give you a chance to resurrect but till then it's time please till then you are bankrupt and i think we've spoken about this before in one of our podcasts do you know wipro has mm. got some 60 to yeah. 70 million dollars coming in from general motors every year alone there is tcs and satyam mm-hmm. 50 million dollars another 50 million dollars and in fact recently satyam has won one five year deal of 150 million dollars from gm so mm. all these indian companies who have got their top clients in the form of car makers and investment bankers who already have gone down are facing the heat now so it doesn't do very good for indian economy when a gm somewhere long far away in america goes down yeah that's right and i think this was specific to the us the it was the general motors us which had filed the bankruptcy and in india general motors is still on a roll they want to launch some mini car which will be next then which will be around 2 lakhs mm-hmm. that's like a very small car for a company like general motors who are mainly known for big cars and non fuel efficient cars and stylish cars etc <laughs> that's what brought them down i guess because of their fuel uh, guzzling yeah. and they are planning to sell the hummer finally i think is what i read hummer the, the most uh, consuming fuel consuming car yeah. ever I saw a Hummer last week in Australia. I mean, this was the first time that I was seeing a Hummer, so it was pink in color, and it had all girls inside. I think they were going on a prom night or something like that. Teenage mm-hmm. girls, and they were all shouting and hooling from the window, and they were like so happy to be in a Hummer. <laughs> Probably even though they know it's near extinction. Yeah, or maybe they were shouting, "Oh, let me out! The fuel's running out! Let me out!" Okay, that was a bad one, but yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Early morning don't suit your sense of humor. Yeah, I know. I'm testing myself a little too much here. So, <laughs> yeah. What else do we have? So, uh, well, we have mega deals this week. There has been a series of mega deals, uh, starting with the Bharti MTN deal. So, Bharti, which is like the largest service provider in India, and MTN, which is one of the largest service providers in the Middle East area. Uh, I guess we had spoken about this one some time back when the two companies were very serious about making the deal and then the deal fell off. Mm-hmm. And MTN is in about 21 countries and it's got more subscriber base than Bharati. So if Bharati does go ahead with this deal, they'll be marrying up. It's like a guy marrying a very rich girl and and getting everything. Yeah, that's right. Because the deal is like it's currently worth uh, USD 23 billion, but uh, I mean. Earlier, when the deal was being talked about, it was valued at uh, USD 45 billion. So you can see the erosion of value to half. And uh, also, in this particular deal, Bharti will acquire a 49% stake in MTN, while MTN will acquire 36% in the Indian company. Uh, in fact, earlier, you know, after the MTN and Bharti talks had collapsed. I mean, I think it was all hearsay, but MTN wanted more stake in Bharti, and they had also started talks with Reliance. Right. But uh, even those talks had collapsed because of the great brother feud between the uh, two Ambani's, where um, Mukesh had said that you know his Reliance has the first right of refusal if there is any change of management. Right, and now I think they have uh, in May 2009 they have. said that okay we are renegotiating with mtn bharti 
So let's wait and hear from them. We'll get all our listeners an update on one of the biggest acquisitions. In fact, the biggest acquisition by an Indian company yeah. of a foreign company. So yeah. let's wait and watch exactly. what happens there. It will beat the Tata Corus deal also. And and talking about Bharti, there is another development on the Bharti front, which is the Bharti Walmart joint venture for the cash and carry store. They have finally opened their first store in India. Right. In Amritsar, after all the riots that took place, they said, okay, it's a good time now. Everything has cooled down. <laughs> and I love the concept, you know, uh, of this store. Anyone, either you, me, or a hotelier, or a big wholesaler can walk in, buy one kg of wheat or one ton of wheat. It's there for the Kirana stores as well. So anyone and everyone can right. walk in and take how much ever quantity they want. Is it, I don't think it's for us because uh, what I know about cash and carry stores, mm-hmm. they are mainly, they are only targeted at you know uh, hoteliers or these Kiranas or anybody who wants to buy in wholesale. Uh-huh. And I believe that Metro, the Metro Cash and Carry, which is there in Mumbai too, uh, they have this policy wherein you need to have an identity card or oh. something which shows that you are a hotelier or you have a big store and you want to buy it in wholesale. Because the uh, FDI is not allowed in retail in India. It's only being permitted for cash and carry stores. Right. So you have to work within those restrictions because I believe oh. uh, I mean, a couple of years back when Metro had come, there was a big, there was a huge uh, UN cry by people because many people, you know, they used to form a group. Like, I'm going shopping, I can buy for my whole building, so I buy everything <laughs> in wholesale, get dirt sheet, and we can divide. I mean, Indians do that, don't we? Oh, I, no. That's a good one. So, so I, I think it's only for the wholesale buyers. Right, no, I correct myself then. Yes, you're right. But the partnership, Bharti will be handling the front end and Walmart will be handling mm-hmm. the back-end and the logistics. And Walmart has actually tied up with a transporter mm-hmm. as well, uh, some Nav Bharat transporter who will carry the goods from the shop to their to, to the customer's place. And they've got some 30,000 mm-hmm. clients already and some 800 local suppliers. So their main aim was to tie up with the vendors, the bhajiwalas and the uh, whoever, from whom Walmart can buy in bulk and stock it in that shop. It's a huge store, 50,000 square feet is what I read. It's a big one. Yeah, so I think two very big deals for uh, Sunil Mittal, I guess. Oh, yes. And he too from, I think he's from Punjab. So probably that's why the Mitti Ki Khushbu, which <laughs> made him open his first door in Amritsar. Though, you know, I read this trivia about him, but the source was Wikipedia, so I'm not really sure about it. That he is uh, superstitious about the number 23 because he was born on 23rd and he was also married on uh, 23rd. And that he becomes a vegetarian before any big venture. So (laughs) all the people who are listening and they want to do business with Sunil Mittal, he is just on board of two big deals. So please don't offer him non-vegetarian food. Absolutely. He might just turn you down and your deal down too. Exactly. So, well, uh, moving on to our other deals, I think we have the Playboy deal. It's not exactly a deal deal right now, but there were just some buzzes in the market that uh, the Playboy may be sold to Branson, Richard Branson. I don't see a guy walking into a store paying a couple of dollars to buy a Playboy when he can watch the same things on the internet. And especially during such a recessionary yeah. time. So I think the stiff competition from the internet is what has got Playboy to think about selling off uh, his empire, Hugh Hefner. 
the Gramin Bank, which was started in Bangladesh by Muhammad Yunus, and he had also won a Nobel Prize for fame in uh, 2006. And I was really surprised to find out that there is something called as Gramin America, which was started in some 2008. Because I thought that why does US need microfinance institutions? Because everything over there, I mean, I think it's micro over there. Right, right. But it seems it has been doing a really good business there. Right, and and microfinance concept, like I think we've we've done this before too, is lending to the poor at a rate of interest which is slightly higher than that of the banks, but without asking for collateral. So I can lend twenty dollars each to five women. And the next loan will only mm-hmm. come when they repay that money back to me with some interest. And 99% yeah. has been covered. So 99%, only 1% bad debts, which is uh, huge in, in terms when people are defaulting and during these recessionary times. Yeah, and it, it's more like a social uh, behavior thing because every new borrower there has to, he has to join a group of five people and they have to meet the bank official every week to discuss, you know, what are their uh, money management skills, etc. Mm-hmm. And if any one of the five people he defaults, then no loan will be granted to the other five also. So it's peer pressure that will get you going. And also you have to deposit at least $2 every week with the bank so that uh, it cultivates saving habits, which I think is very important for you. Yes. For everyone now. <laughs> These people actually uh, live by what my grandfather uh, always uh, taught me, live within your means. So the Americans not generally yeah. are, do not have the habit of doing that, but the people to whom Mohammed Yunus and Grameen uh, America is lending, they have that. I mean, the, hmm. the primary objective is to lend to the people who are very serious about doing things. So they will not take a, a rickshaw, okay, you don't have a rickshaw, but a cab in the, in the U.S. if you have to go for just three kilometers away from one place. So saving is part of the deal. If you save, you will repay. If you don't yeah, repay, not everybody will get the loan. So like you said, the peer pressure will also exactly. help them. Yeah, and in fact, it, it's given to really poor people. It's given to those who live below poverty line in U.S. And poverty line in U.S., by the way, is an annual income of $21,000. Wow. For a family of four. Oh, boy. <laughs> and they are mocking at us. Yeah. Simply mocking. <laughs> I know. Right. But then this uh, concept has also been taken very seriously and running successfully in countries like Zambia, Costa Rica, Indonesia, Turkey, where things are really bad, where $21,000 is being rich. So it's, it's working well in yeah. some other countries too. Yeah, even in India, uh, microfinance is big nowadays. I mean, because they want to boost the rural demand and for that microfinance is very essential. Right. So with that note, I think we can wrap up today's topic. Do you have anything more? Yeah, that's about it too from my side. Yeah, so log on to theindicast.com. Please comment. We would love to hear from you what uh, topics you think we should be covering on. Theindicast.com is a website. That's about it from this week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.